and welcome to Golf Only Better as we look ahead to the US PGA Championship this week at Southern Hills. So many storylines as always and here to talk you through them all my esteemed guest Ben Coley of SportingLife.com and Dave Tyndall betting at Betfair Golf Tipster. Once again chaps welcome to you both. Hi Sarah nice Hello. to be here. Hello. Always good to hear your thoughts. Very much enjoyed the Players' Championship preview. And, of course, we had a look ahead to Augusta National uh, last month. Now it is the turn of the PGA Championship, which we'll get to in just a moment. But, guys, I must just start. Well, first of all, it's, it's worth pointing out. It's nice to be discussing a major championship to try and detract, if, if you like, from a lot of the Saudi talk that seems to be dominating the golfing headlines right now. Uh, ben, I'll start with you on that. It's worth a mention. Live Golf, we're looking forward to the first events at Centurion. Looking forward may not be quite the operative saying, I guess. It is taking over most of the headlines. How do you see this playing out? The PJ Tour, the DP World Tour, not granting players those releases. How do you see this playing out? And who do you almost see teeing it up at that very first event? Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, and, and hopefully, you know, with, with Phil Mickelson, I, I think it's a great shame that Phil Mickelson's not playing this week from a purely sporting perspective. I think what's happened in the last 12 months to go from, I was looking earlier at some pictures of of him walking down the 18th hole at Keir Island with thousands of people that, that you know, that he was he was the hero of the, the moment. He's been a hero of American golf for 30 years now. And um it seems that that's going to be diminished by, um, well, by greed, for want of a better word. Um, and, and that's a real shame for the fan. It's a shame for Mickelson. It's a shame for everybody. Uh, in terms of how it plays out, I suppose everyone expects it to go to the courtroom now. But um, the, the tournament, the opening tournament at Centurion is weeks away. Uh, and there's no way it's getting through a courtroom before that. So I think what we'll see is a very, very poor start in terms of the Live Golf product. I think they've been laying the foundations for that. You know, Norman's been trying to say, oh, look, you know, we've got you know, 10 of the world's top 150 or whatever it is signed up. And I think they'll have lost a couple of those now that the, the releases haven't been granted. I think you'll see a handful of older players, the, the names we know. I think you will see Lee Westwood, probably Sergio Garcia, uh, Louis Eustazen, I think, will probably be there and, and a few more. But I think there are a lot of players waiting to see what happens uh, and not putting it all on the line. So um, for, for those like me who are keen to see it fail, dare I say, um, I don't think we should celebrate too much when that field is released and when we see an event that's going to be streamed on YouTube to not many people. There won't be a massive crowd because they're charging a stupid amount of money to go and see it. Um, but I don't think that's the end of it. This is obviously just the start for them, and it depends how quickly they can grow and what does happen in the courtroom. So it's all up in the air. Um, but once this tournament tees off at a fabulous golf course, I think hopefully uh, we'll be able to think about something else for four days at least. Definitely. I totally agree. It, it, Dave is detracting, isn't it? Because every day there's a, there's a new headline you'd have to say regarding Saudi golf and, and live golf and, and Greg Norman, you just have to listen to Greg Norman's comments at the media day at Centurion. What about the reputational damage? That's the thing that I can't quite get my head around. Dave, would you agree that some of these guys teeing it up, they're involved with something that let's be honest, isn't, isn't getting great press. You look at the regime without getting too political about it. How do these guys go and justify it and really not face the negative criticism? Yeah, I don't know whether it's safety in numbers. If that many do it, then, you know, it, it sort of dilutes it maybe. I mean, I've heard a couple of American golfers say when reacting to the criticism that you know, it might ruin their legacy and, and they've said stuff like, well, 
my family is my legacy, making my family, you know, comfortable in for the rest of their lives is a legacy I want to leave. So they're sort of deflecting away from what we think is the issue and sort of turning it into something else. But, yeah, it's not going away. I know a few people at that Greg Norman press conference day and, you know, <laughs> he's so thick-skinned, isn't he? They were really hitting him with some questions, but he's just so got his business head on, his money head on. There's no rush with this. He's not like being given a year, get it right, Greg, in a year or we're out of there. It seems the Saudis have just said, take as long as you want. So it's just growing and growing. I mean, I, I can sort of absorb if it's a few of the older guys going off and is it one last payday? Mm-hmm. But if it starts to creep down and players who you think had a really big future ahead on the reg, you know, regular PGA Tour and they start getting going across, then we are in a bit of trouble. So, yeah, it's uh, not great. It's not. And I think the, the legal battle, as, as Ben mentioned, and I just think the animosity now between the tours, the governing bodies, I just think it it's going to clap, you know, a dark cloud over the game of golf. And I think that's a massive shame. But anyway, let's move on. Ben, I know you touched on Phil. Just, just in your opinion, it is a massive shame that we're not going to see Phil Mickelson. Whatever people think about Phil, whatever negativity has been cast upon him recently, he is one of the game's great entertainers. Honestly, when do you think, Ben, that we will see Phil back playing again? Uh, Centurion <laughs> in June. You know, if you're willing to watch it on YouTube, um, I, I think he will be there. Um, and and whatever the repercussions of that, it's still unclear whether to what extent, you know, bans are going to be forthcoming. I've heard talk of three-month bans, but I've also heard talk of those bans being deferrable. So you can take it in October, November and December, for instance, and miss a couple of smaller events rather than having to miss, for instance, the US Open. Um and I, I sort of, I massively overly romantic, I think, but I, I sort of thought about Phil and uh, everybody's corrected me and said, you know, it, it really is about the money. Um, everything we read from Alan Shipnup's book and everything you've come to know about Phil over the years, it, it just is about the money. Um, but I, I wondered, you know, he's kind of set himself up now. He's said, um, I want to go away, take time away and become a better man. He wants to come back and be the man he wants to be, right? Well. If he now comes back and says, yeah, hi, I'm back again. I'm here at Centurion as the face of Live Golf. That's the man he wants to be. That's his choice. And he can do that. And, and when people talk about freedom of choice, and and, and obviously there'll, there'll be a loyally element to it, and I'm nowhere close to understanding that. But as far as I can see, players do have choice. They are independent in as much as they can go and play where they like. They just have to suffer consequences. And the consequence, bringing it back to this week, is... Uh, not just for Phil, but for the for the fans. And as I said, you know, we should have a defending champion. I think Justin Ray said it was the first time in about 100 years the defending champion's been fit and healthy and not turned up to defend a major. I think Ben Hogan, when it cost a fortune to get to Britain back in the, the 40s and 50s. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it's a massive shame. But one thing we know, I mean, he didn't play in the Masters, did he? And who cared once the first tee shot was struck? I certainly didn't. No, but, and, and I agree. But I just think that those comments, I think... What everybody, what everybody feels about Phil, and I think the word that's sometimes used is that word authenticity. You know, comes back and, and says, "Yeah, I want to be the, I want to be the man. I want to be proud of myself. I want my family." And then, yeah, it as you said, it's going to come down to the pound signs, the dollar signs, isn't it? And uh, 
I just think it's all a bit sad. But anyway, uh, Dave, let's talk about your Popular Trends article on the website. We did this ahead of Augusta National. Your methodology in terms of looking at the last 10 winners of the PGA Championship and the point scoring system in order to predict who you think will come out on top uh, this time around. Just again, a little recap on how, what are the stats and what the numbers, what is the methodology that goes into your findings there? Yeah, so last time, basically, Phil Mickelson ruined everything, so I'm glad he's not playing because <laughs> he fitted no trend at all. Um, so basically, yeah, I, it, it's based on frequency. So I've looked at the last 10 years. So say, for example, seven 20-somethings have won in the last 10 years, which they have of this major, mm-hmm. and anyone in their 20s scores seven points. It's that simple. If, say, two 40-somethings have won in the last 10 years, any 40-something this year scores two points. So it goes on like that. So I've done it across age. So age is a good one for the 20 year old, seven of the last 10, as I've said. Nationality, it's been a good America, for, a good major for the Americans. They won seven of the last 10. World ranking, five of the last 10 winners have been actually ranked in the top five. So a very good event uh, for elite Americans. Uh, winning form is another good one. It used to be more the case, maybe because this used to be held in August, mm-hmm. but it made sense that a lot of players who won it had previously won that season. But even though they moved it to, to May, that's still playing out. So seven of the last 10 uh, USPGA winners had won that season before. Current form, um, a strong one. Eight of the last 10 had had top 20s on their previous start, which caused a problem for this one because I wrote it before the Byron Nelson results were in. So, so that's caused a change, which I'll come to. The other one is you tend to win this one quite early in your USPGA career. So um, eight of the last 10 winners have actually only played between either zero first-timers and five. So you, whereas sometimes in Augusta, you, people down there, like Faldo won it on his ninth attempt, I think. Lots of players have gone there. Phil, mentioning Mickelson again, won it. After being there a lot of times, but this one seems to you get it done quite quick. And finally, um, I, I did one because we're at Southern Hills because it moves around and we've not got the same like the Masters. We've got all that Augusta form to to go on because this one moves around. I tried to get the best course fit. So when I wrote this, it seemed greens and regulation was a strong trend. I still think it's going to be. So anyone who's really elite in that stat this year in the top twenty-five, they got maximum points. If you're poor with your irons and rank really low down those greens and reg stats, you only got one. So do you want me to reveal? Well, it's out there. Yeah. I do. So, Obviously, the, yeah, just to let everyone know, of course, all on the website, this piece. Yeah. And then who's come out on top? So originally when I wrote it, John Rahm came out on top. But I did say there were guys playing in the Byron Nelson who could surpass him if they had a top 20. And actually someone has surpassed him. And guess who that could be? Scotty Scheffler. Uh, what a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> so it's weird. You start to think this is the, a good major for someone in their 20-something, someone who's yeah. American, someone who's high in the world rankings. You're basically describing Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. So he edges in front of John Rahm in the updated version. I might, I'll tweet this out, the updated version. But um, So he goes top. Scotty Scheffler goes top. Rahm's bumped down to second. But John Spieth goes up to third because he was second at the Byron Nelson. Um, so those are the top three. So that's how it panned out. It's not, it's not, I don't know. Sometimes when you do this, you think you're hoping for someone slightly quirky to come out. But 
I guess it's the trends are strong and and it's identified some of the best players in the world. So given the fact that a lot of the best players in the world do win this major, I wasn't too disappointed that it came out that way. Excellent stuff. Yeah, and as I say, all on the website to have a look, the 10-year trends piece. Ben, it is interesting. And of course, let's not forget what did Scotty Scheffler say at the Masters, that Southern Hills is his absolute favourite golf course. And, you know, we, we doubted, didn't we? I think all of us probably thought, can he hang on? Can he keep this going? How would he deal with the pressure on Sunday? What about you? What about your thoughts, Ben, in terms of Scotty Scheffler going on to pick up another major championship? Yeah, I mean, he's answered every question this year, hasn't he? He deserves, I think, to be favourite. I think I would just put him ahead of John Rahm at the top of the market. Um, I know they'll they'll probably be trading places over the next three or four days on the exchange uh, before tee-off. But um, I do think he has, a, at the moment, a superior short game to John Rahm. And, and that could be really important here. I think people will, will hear and read a lot this week about uh, the very dramatic greens at, at Southern Hills, kind of Augusta-like, actually. A lot of them raised up, but very, very steep runoffs. And I think the, the best way to summarise it for me is um, a small miss can become a big miss here. Um, and, and in some ways, that, um, that adds some volatility and a bit of randomness. But in others, it, it just really demands, A, a brilliant short game, but, but obviously, B, brilliant iron play as well. Um, again, like with Dave's trends, you could just be describing Scheffler here, and he's very much the man to beat. I know he came here a few weeks ago and was around in 64. Um, I think the caddy uh, was, was waxing lyrical, said he only played one ball. It wasn't like he was hitting a couple of tee shots off every hole. Um, and, and he loves the place. He's won amateur titles here. You know, he's got every chance. There's, there's really nothing I can say to put you off him. And, and with the best players, the young best players who come through, you think Morikawa, he won one major, he went and won another. Jordan Spieth won his first major in the Masters, went and won the US Open a couple of months later when it was the, the very next major. Rory McIlroy, after he won the US Open, won the US PGA the following year. Uh, you know, the, the floodgates tend to open with younger players um, and he's the man to be absolutely 100%. It's interesting, isn't it, Dave? I always look when a player's on, on, in such a rich vein of form, it's like, how long can you keep that hot streak going? But with Scotty Scheffler, how much do you put down to sort of the, the maturity for his age and I guess the ability to handle things and the, the cool temperament? Because he doesn't seem to have those mega highs and the mega lows. And even on the off weeks or you know regular tournament weeks, he's it's quite incredible how he's maintaining just the level he's at right now. But yeah, that is a question is how long does that continue for? Yeah, it's a, it's a big question. Um, Cause what's he won for the last six? So you're thinking maybe that that's his purple patch. Is it done? But I don't know. He had a nice sort of low key 15th last week where a, a triple bogey knocked him out of that, but he didn't really exert. He didn't expend a load of energy. He just sort of does what Scotty Scheffler does and, wanders around smiling. Even even before he'd won, he didn't look like he had the world on his shoulders, did he? He just looked like, well, he'll win. He knows he'll win. So he, he does have a wonderful temperament for golf. Reminds me a bit of sort of Ernie else, just sort of bruises around and doesn't overthink anything. So you could point out any stat to him and he'd just sort of laugh it off. I heard Xander Schaffle saying... Um, Xander Scheffler was trying to work out, is it a good thing to play the week before a major? Is it better to have the week off? And Scottish Scheffler just sort of, he couldn't really remember if he had played the week before the Masters. So he just, you know, he doesn't, yeah, he's yeah. not, you know, maybe with, with Rory, we, we, we talk about him overthinking things. With Scottish Scheffler, he's got that temperament, maybe his age as well, where he just, he'll just go into this one thinking, oh, this will be fun. I like this course. Mm -hmm. And he might win. Yeah. 
I know. And the fact that the excitement levels for some hills as, as well, it's scary. It's going to be a brilliant test. I, I can't wait to sort of watch. Players have been raving about the quality of this golf course, and I think we're going to see it in all its glory this week. Uh, ben, what about, just another pick out another player, Dave mentioned him then, in the, the week before the AT&T, Jordan Spieth. I mean, how impressed have you been with Jordan Spieth? I guess to return, yes, the return to form, of course, winning the week after the Masters uh, Heritage, but the way he's driving and the confidence now when he steps up with that driver, which has been a cause for concern the last few years. Yeah, it has. It was kind of the main reason he suffered that that dip, which seems um, a long time ago now, doesn't it? Um, because he had been a sort of underrated good driver of the golf ball. One of those things with Jordan, we, we remember the way he won those tournaments, the, the sort of, I suppose, if you were to compare him with a player from, from the past, you know, a, a Seve style uh, brilliance, a, a recovery shot or whatever, you know, some people called it called it luck when he was winning the Masters and, and the US Open and then the Open Championship in 2017. He's just a brilliant, brilliant player. I think sometimes we forget just how brilliant, um, you know, Scheffler's got a long way to go before he overtakes Jordan Spieth as, as the standout Texan golfer of the generation, you know, not to say he won't, but he, he's still not there. Um, so yeah, he, the, the thing I most admire about Spieth is that throughout all those problems, he never, yeah, he loses his call on the course sometimes. Yeah, he's rude to his caddy sometimes. He's a golfer. Um, but he never uh, lost that. Uh, well, I think it's class. I think he has a touch of class. And he, he, he remained very, very committed, not just to himself, but to his coach. A lot of people were saying, get a new coach. To his caddy, a lot of people were saying, get a new caddy. And he stuck with it. He's found this new method that he's got that, again, as, as recently as January, people are saying, oh, this pre-shot routine, it's so ugly. Doesn't matter. Yeah, he, he just finds out a way to, to get where he wants to be. And uh, he's one week away from entering the history books. If he wins this week, he's a, he's a Grand Slam winner. And I tell you, he's got a massive chance, an absolutely massive chance. Um, and, and I think he'll be, he'll be right there. I do. I totally agree. I think he's the golfing IQ. I always say with with his brain. I think he's, and I also agree. I think he's a class act, and I, I do think he'll there, be there or thereabouts in that career Grand Slam. Yep, he could be about to enter the history books. Dave, what about another player who's kind of getting a lot of people's attention at the head of the market? Justin Thomas. You look at some of the creativity needed uh, around the greens this week. Some of the scrambling stats, as, as you touched on with your trends piece. What about Thomas? How does he look in the in the betting market? Yeah, I mean, another course this has been likened to is Royal Port Rush. And you, you remember when Thomas went there, he absolutely fell in love with the place uh, and did, was he 11th, something like that? He played played really well because he'd, he'd never done anything in an Open before then. Um, but, so when, once he nails his colours to a course that he likes, and he, he went on a sort of recce boys trip, didn't he, with Spieth a couple of weeks yeah. ago and was saying, what a great course this is. He said it tests every facet of the game. So, he, yeah, he should really love this course. And, again, he's had a nice build-up in the Byron Nelson. It is the major he's won as well. So, yeah, I can't think of any reason to put anyone off Justin Thomas. Mm. So, Dave, you've got Streffer uh, um, coming out on top in terms of your trends piece. Ben, your outright winner, you're going for? I am going for Jordan Speed. And I've gone back and forth on this. Um I have gone back and forth on it. I think in a purely betting sense, um, you know, we have to uh, come to terms with the fact that he was 22 to one last week to win the Byron Nelson. This is, everybody's here. Rahm wasn't there. You know, Rory wasn't there. Hovland wasn't there. Morikawa wasn't there. Everybody's here. And you ask, you're being asked to take 18 to one instead of 22 to one. 
he won the RBC Heritage at 40 to 1, remarkably. I mean, what a week to take take off, by the way, but there we are. Um, <laughs> so you have to come to terms with that sort of thing. And I think generally, because we get so many places, you know, you get a different story on the exchanges and that that is a viable option, but you're going to get 10 places, which you wouldn't have got last week. And you have to accept that you get a slightly contracted price. If you take away that element and you ask me on a purely sporting sense, which of the top 10, say, in the betting do I think are most suited to the test we have this week? Yeah. Um, I think you've you've mentioned the two golfers there. I think Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. That uh, Thomas won the the practice round. Maybe Spieth can get him in the in the real thing this week because he Teter Green he's the best player in the sport the last six weeks. So uh, if that carries on and he can avoid missing those four footers, then we could be in business. Okay, good stuff. So speak for you. I'm going for Ram. I'm going for Ram for the win this week. I think nice win for him in Mexico. And I just think some of those short game skills, looking forward to seeing that Spanish magic around the green. So Ram's my pick. Dave, what about each way? Let's have a look at the most. I think Ben just alluded to it there. Sportsbook paying uh, 10 places for each way bets in the winner's market. Uh, just to remind you as well, terms and conditions, do check those out there in the podcast description. But each way bets, Dave, where's, uh, where's some of the value this week? Yeah, it depends. It depends how high you need to go in the betting before you think it's a good each way bet. So, for example, I'm really big on Hideki Matsuyama this week. Mm-hmm. He's around twenty-five to one. I think that's an each way price, perhaps at the lower end of what you might think of an, as an each way price. But ten places. I mean, I think that's great for him. He's he's a two-time winner this season. That, that seems to have slightly been forgotten about, given all that Scheffler's done. He won the Zozo and then he won the Sony Open. Um, brilliant at the Masters. We, we, we're saying chipping's important this week. Well, I looked at his chipping stats at Augusta and they're brilliant. They're, they're really, really good. That, that's one of the things that helped him win there last year. Again, this idea that maybe players win in majors in bunches, they follow up quickly. Well, this could be a good chance for him to get another one um, in the bag. And just some of his stats. So he's seventh in greens and regulation, fourth on the all-around, 22nd in scrambling, 12th in bogey avoidance, always a good thing for majors. So I think he's a really good one. At a bigger each-way price, I've, I've looked at Taylor Gooch at 100 to 1. I know that's great. He's, I think, Ben, Ben, you put him up, didn't you, at anti-post many moons, well, not that many moons ago, but uh, pre-Christmas around then. He's 100 to 1 this week. I think that's a really good price on him. He's, he's got the local angle. He's from Oklahoma. Yeah, still yeah. Um, I listened to a podcast that he was on called The 73rd Hole, like a local Oklahoma podcast. And he said, it's one of my favourite courses in the world, Southern Hill. So tick, well done. Well done for saying that. Um, but he's, he's second on the all-around, which, again, if this is an overall test, that's really good. He made his Masters debut uh, last month, was 14th. So, again, he scrambled well there. He was fourth in scrambling at Augusta. I think he's a big old price. He's a winner this year, as well, well, this season, at the RSM Classic. So if you want a guy with more course experience than most – who has had a really good year and at a big price. I think Taylor Gooch is, is the one for me there. Ben, what about you? Each way, each way betting, where are you looking? Yeah, there's there's some interesting options here, but I, I'm going to risk um, yeah, dating this podcast if he withdraws. But I've, I've really come round to Brooks Kepka at 40 to 1. Um, and I've, I've generally been a bit anti-Kepka in majors for the reason that, you know, I think a lot of people you see wins four in quick succession. You think, oh, I've just backed Kepka at 12 to one in every major that comes along. And the problem is with that, you, you, we're always betting on what's to come, not what's in the past. And, and not always is it the best guide to, to what will happen in the future. 
but at 40 to 1 obviously you know we we are getting a price this time and the the there is only one reason we're getting that price and it's he withdrew from the Byron Nelson and um, Kepka being Kepka there's not been any reason given we all know he's had knee he's had back he's had all kinds of injuries over the last couple of years um but he's he's battled through them I and mean, he still couldn't bend down properly when he was runner up here last year um, or in this tournament last year um last year he missed the cut in the masters he played three more majors and he wasn't any worse than sixth. Um, he missed the Masters Cup this year purely because he putted badly. Um, I'm hopeful that he can bounce back because if it, I, you talk about it in tennis a lot. This week in tennis before the French Open, you get loads of players who, oh, back feels a bit tight, I'll withdraw. Um, in golf, it's the same. Like for a player like Kepko, he doesn't care about the Byron, Byron Nelson. So if he had a slight niggle, he, he withdrew. Um, and if he's fit, I think 40s is huge. I, he played well. He got the quarterfinals of the match play, 12th of the Valspar, where he hit the ball really, really well. Um, and, and just the one final thing I'll give you, um, I think of all the majors I can think of the last few years, I, I would say Portrush is a really good guide. Well, uh, he was in the top six there. Um, but the other is Shinnecock. I thought Shinnecock was potentially the best guide of all. You're talking about wide fairways, firm conditions, greens with ridiculous runoffs, um, and and he was, you know, uh, a brilliant winner of that. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, there is risk. And anyone who doesn't want to lose their money when a golfer limps around, um, fair enough. But I think at 40 to 1, I'll take that risk every time. Yeah, I agree. And I think with Kepka and probably Dustin Johnson as well, you can't often read sometimes into withdrawals too much because I think, yeah, maybe it's just a case of protecting themselves or maybe just didn't quite fancy it and wanting to keep themselves completely fresh for the major. Uh, Dave, what about you as an each-way bet? for us this week yeah so Gooch obviously at the big price the other one I want to put forward he's been backed actually is Patrick Cantlay we've not talked about him yet um, I saw a stat no one has won more times since um, October 2020 than Patrick Cantlay you think is that right but, but it is he's won five times Sheffler's won four so yeah. he's, the, he's the most winningest as the Americans say golfer in that period Um He's not got a brilliant record in the majors, you have to say, but he has finished third in this one. He did go close at Augusta one year. He led on the back nine. So, and he's got, the, he's got the game. He's 12th in scrambling, 11th in the all-around. So I think Patrick Cantlay, he's got, he's got to come good, hasn't he? He, in, in, he did pretty well in my trends piece, actually. He got marked down because he's actually 30. He just turned 30, so that... The old like, WGA winner. He, he loses a lot of... But in terms of his sort of golfing age, he missed a couple of, basically he missed two or three years, didn't he? With injury, 2015 and 16, didn't play at all. So in terms of his sort of golfing age, I'm, I'm calling him a 20-something. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So yeah, rough time with the back injury, didn't he? Okay, that's a good shout for Cantley as well. Yeah. And just to point out as well to our listeners, Exchange always the home of bigger prices, better value, and the best in-play prices as well. So we've looked at uh, potential winners. We've looked at a couple of each-way bets. What about a side market selection? Ben, I'll come to you on this first. Yeah, this is fair, fairly boring in terms of the odds, but I, I think this is a winner and that, you know, um, hopefully a pay-for-your-week. If you, I think Robert McIntyre to be the top Scottish player. Um now, there are only two of them. Um, the other one is Russell Knox. Uh, he got in here when uh, Paul Casey withdrew, actually. So he owes, he owes Paul Casey a drink. But uh, chalk and cheese, their records in majors. Bob's record, we talk about it a lot. He's played in eight of them. He's made eight cuts. And he's not just made cuts either. You know, he's been right there on the fringes twice at Augusta, including last month. 
Um, he's been six at Portrush. I think he was. He was not far outside the top 10 at Royal St. George's last year. So, OK, his best ones have been in the open. But if we're talking firm, pretty fast conditions, um, steep runoffs, good short game needed, similar skills. And it's going to be very, very windy this week as well. So I think he's got a great game for this. Um, Russell Knox has played in 17 majors. He's missed 10 cuts. He's a shorter hitter. This is a very long golf course for a par 70 at 7,500 yards. I think you're going to get something like five to six McIntyre. And I think he's just a, a league above Russell Knox at, at this level. So um, a five to six winner will have to do you, I'm afraid. But I, I do think it is a winner. OK, Dave, for you, a little side market pick for us. Yeah, a couple of maybe for the players for the top 20 market. Uh, Matt Kuchar, who probably doesn't hit it far enough to, to win and he's probably a bit long in the tooth maybe to be winning a major at this stage. But he's in really good form. Um, if you look at his results since the start of April, second at the Texas Open, third at the Heritage, 12th last week. That's why I don't want to sort of over-egg it and say, oh, he's got every chance of winning or he's going to contend. But I think he's a massive old price. And for top 20, I think he can play well, just sort of muddle his way around. Uh, and the other one in that market, Christian Buzaden Hoop, the South African, he's a really good chipper of the ball. That, that's basically what, what led me to him. I think he might really find this course to his liking. Again, another one who played well in the Byron Nelson, got a good temperament. So, yeah, two, a couple of top 20 shouts there that might be quite nice prices. Dave, just say, just say that name again for me just because I love the way you pronounce his name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready? Matt Kuchar. <laughs> I think you went the other one, didn't Very you? Very good. I did, yeah. I did, I did. For Zayden Hoot. Love, yeah. love, love the pronunciation. Okay, chaps, a couple of other names or any other, anything else that's kind of catching your eye when we're looking at Sportsbook or the exchange in terms of some of the market prices for this week before we head off? I, I think the, the prices you get on the exchange win only for, for tournaments like, well, for the majors, you know, you will get some massive odds about some very, very, very talented players. And, you know, of, of all the majors, I, I think probably the Open shades it for volatility because of the weather, because of um, conditions and, and how that can separate the field. You know, Darren Clark winning a big price and, and so on and so forth. But the USPGA is not far behind. You know, we've we've had some very, very big price winners of this just last year um, to return to Mickelson. A couple of names I'll throw to you. McIntyre's 500 to one on the exchanges at the moment. You know, a big time golfer with, you know, so much talent and belief. I'm not saying he's going to win, but he could definitely give you a run for your money. And I think in general, there are quite a few of the European tour or DP World Tour players who, you know, this is much deeper water and we should remember that. Um, but, you know, Richard Bland went over to the US Open and led it at halfway last year. Guido Migliosi ended up in the top 10 there. You'll see a couple of these guys because I think this is this is a very unique test and I think it could make things uh, very interesting. So the other two I'll give you, Ryan Fox, who is playing fantastically well. Be a bit disappointed with how he finished on Sunday, but he's about 500 on the exchanges as well. We've had a shock New Zealand winner of a major before. Um, it could happen again. And the other one's Minwoo Lee. His sister Minji Lee won at the weekend, which is a nice little uh, angle. But as well, like Taylor Gooch, he played brilliantly at the Masters. I have a really interesting piece about the Aussies all staying in this house uh, with Stuart Appleby in Florida, and it's really helping them, you know, adapt to, to life in the States. He's got so much talent and he's really good around the greens. Um, a nice touch for a big man, I think they'd say in football. A nice touch for a big hitter. There you go. Um, so, yeah, Minwoo Lee, stacks of ability. And again, you're getting 500 to one. And for, for a pound on the exchange, which is the minimum bet now, um, 
I, you know, I, I think you can do worse than those three. Definitely worth a shout. And Dave, for you, any other any other names that you just like to throw out there before we uh, before we conclude our golf only better podcast? Maybe not a name, but maybe a betting strategy because I'm sure I read this, and I've just had a little, little check. I'm sure I read a stat where every major winner at Southern Hills was leading at halfway. It certainly applied to Tiger when yeah. he won the uh, US PG, PGA then 2007. It applied to Retief Goosen when he won uh, in the 2001 US Open, which I went to, by the way. And so I was thinking, well, I should know Southern Hills, but I can't recall <laughs> anything about it, which is a bit poor, apart from the 18th green being on a bit of a tier. Um, but so, yeah, so if there's someone you might think, well, I'm not sure about him, if he's leading at halfway, might be worth a few a few quid in the uh, in running markets just to just to see that trend plays out again. Just to say, just one name which we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about a lot of players. Obviously, a lot to get through. But Shane, I've, I've heard, I've seen quite a lot of love for Shane Lowry, and I've I've been liking Shane. I think I might have mentioned ahead of the Masters, but you know he's been playing great. You look at the what's potentially needed around the greens, the scrambling stats this week. If I say Shane Lowry to you, what are you both, both going to say? We're nodding. We're yeah? nodding. Yes, we're absolutely nodding. I think it's one of those, Ben mentioned before, if you go to the exchanges, you can get these big prices. I think our, our odds compile on the sports book rates Shane Lowry as well. But on the exchanges, um, there's definite scope to back him because, as you say, he does look a great fit for this course. Yeah, I really like the recent form. OK, chaps, as ever... Fantastic stuff. Thank you very much. And yeah, don't forget to check out Dave's uh, trends piece on the website as well. Don't forget all through the week, plenty of extra tipping content as well as Steve Rawlings uh, blogging across all four days of the championship in play updates, plus three ball and two ball tips uh, throughout the tournament. Please remember to gamble responsibly. Good luck with all your picks and we will see you ahead of next month's uh, US Open. But from myself, uh, Ben and Dave, thank you for listening. I will catch you soon.